Welcome to The Hive is Alive from Apiary Digital. I'm your host, Tess Berry. On this episode, we will be discussing the recent news about Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and what advertisers need to know. As people have seen, a company called Cambridge Analytica accessed the information of over 50 million Americans from Facebook. This data was then utilized by Cambridge Analytica to build psychographic profiles of users and then target users with messaging with the goal of influencing elections. We discuss how this data was collected and utilized, how consumers are reacting to this news, and most relevant to this podcast, what this means for advertisers. How can we as digital marketers think about data and privacy moving forward? Hello, today we are joined by Apiary founder, Karen Amundsen. Hello, Karen. Hi. And we are also joined by Apiary lead analytics consultant, Rachel Factor. Hello. Welcome. So to get started, could you each tell us a bit more about what exactly happened and how this happened? Uh, I can start with that. So the, the story goes that um, a man named Alexander Kogan wrote an app um, for Facebook. And this app was in the form of a quiz. And when um, users start this quiz, think something like, uh, you know, which Sex in the City character are you? Um, things that are really seemingly innocuous. They, they go in, they start the quiz, and then they're asked to um, consent to some permissions. And then the app goes in and can scrape data from your profile, scrape data from your friend's profile. And it turns out it can actually scrape call data, call metadata as well. Um, and then this guy, Alexander Kogan, he ended up selling the, the data to Cambridge Analytica, which was in violation of Facebook's policies. Um, so that's really the big issue that Facebook has. However, Facebook has come out to say that this was not um, a data breach. It's something that the news is kind of um, falling over themselves, talking about how you know Facebook was hacked. They weren't hacked. This was um, using Facebook's tools, uh, developer tools, um, as they were intended. Um, and so that's kind of what is so scary about this is that pretty much anybody at the time could go write an app, scrape data from Facebook, sell it off without much um, interruption from Facebook's policies or anyone really. Um, and Facebook has since updated their their policies around you know what apps can collect from profiles, but the, <laughs> the damage has been done and a lot of apps have been doing this supposedly. Um, this is just one case where, where they got caught. And then I think, you know, kind of, where I think we're starting to think about this is, of course, as individuals and consumers, we want to know how our our data is being used. It's you know certainly a hot topic, um, but then we also, as a client-focused organization running digital media and you know helping clients to spend money on Facebook, we also want to be looking out for the interests of our clients, which both is um, how do we drive revenue for them and improve performance? And then also how do we help them to look out for their customers and help to steer them in a direction to where, you know, we don't want to be helping them to spend money on things that um, maybe aren't in line with the values of, of their co- company and what they want to do with their customers. And so I think, you know, one of the, one of the interesting questions that we're trying to work out is, does this change anything from, from an advertiser standpoint? In the context of, you know, like where is kind of Facebook going um, from here. And I, I don't think it's going anywhere, by the way. I don't know about inventory or, or how that's going to work, but I do know that like they still have the strongest data set in the world. Um, and you do hear about people um, saying, well, you know, delete Facebook, I'm going to get off Facebook and then go to 
you know, Instagram, not even realizing that it's owned by the same parent company. And so the the breadth of um, information that Facebook has because it has so many properties as well is something that um, is quite powerful. They can rebrand themselves, even if this is kind of, you know, an embarrassing moment for them um, through one of their other very popular social media sites. Um, I just saw a graph recently that said, you know, WhatsApp is probably one of the most um, use social media platforms. I guess it's more of a messaging app, but still. And so Facebook is capturing all of those text interactions and um, collecting that data, um, collecting your call data when you uh, when you have WhatsApp on your phone. Um, so you know, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they're going to have more opportunities for um, for advertising. The the analogy I'm seeing here with Facebook um, it reminds me of McDonald's and the McDonald's debate. And like, does McDonald's make people fat or do people's choices make them fat? And from here, I'm seeing it like, well, is Facebook preying on people? Um, is it is this set up so that Facebook can just take your data? Um, they're making you um, insecure or are people making choices um, that makes their data insecure or just gives their data away? And I actually think that it's probably a combination of both um, where Facebook does allow this to happen. They have very lax policies on how data is collected um, and who gets to see it. But at the same time, everyone I've ever met had no problem, you know, just putting their name, their place of birth and where they live and where they work um, and all of their interests and all of their friends and just an enormous amount of information about them personally uh, for free, um, not knowing that, you know, they were very much the product being sold rather than um, um, being given something for free. So. Um, I see a real issue with, um, you know, Facebook isn't fixing this, but there's some personal responsibility around um, how to protect your data. Not that anybody is teaching anyone this. This is not something you learn in schools. Um, most of our parents, you know, they didn't grow up in the digital age. They're not savvy in this regard. And so there's no one to teach anyone this um, unless you're going out to get the information yourself. And I really think that we should be putting more pressure on companies like Facebook to teach people this. I mean, you know, I'd feel a little bit better about if the next time I logged, someone logged onto Facebook, um, they weren't allowed to continue with their experience until they completed a video about data security and the kind of information that they should be sharing on the web and what Facebook actually does with the information that they give them. Um, you know, to me, that's kind of the ethically right thing to do, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I think another thing, what like the textbooks will tell you about the McDonald's business model is they're not really in the business of hamburgers. They're actually in the business of real estate and hamburgers are just kind of a means to an end in the real estate business. And I don't know if that's still true today, but um, I think, you know, historically, that's like what you, would, what you would see in a textbook. And I think Facebook is the same, like the business model is a means to, um, you know, it's a, of course, like it's an ad business and, and the underlying backbone of that is data. And um, I think as we have more emerging technologies like AI-driven platforms, um, the data to fuel those is going to become increasingly valuable. And I think if you like reading some of the you know headlines, I've seen quotes like um, "data is the new oil." You know, it's and and what that means is um, the people who control the pipelines are going to be the ones that get wealthy, <laughs> um, not necessarily the people with the the oil, so to speak, themselves, but, you know, the ones controlling the flow of that. So, um, like, Facebook's business model overall is just very well poised for that. Interesting. You you both touched on it a bit, how there's the hashtag delete Facebook, and there's a lot of public attention and a bit of outrage over 
the data collection and what's been happening. So you both mentioned that you don't see Facebook going away anytime soon, but how do you see people changing their behavior um, in relation to technology brands and privacy? I think we talked a bit about what we would like to see, but is there something that's happening now or like what's the next year going to look like? I think this is going to blow over in a matter of months and it's going to be very rarely mentioned in mainstream news. Yeah, even like already it went from being the number one headline to like the number five headline. <laughs> um, so I don't think that it's going to have like a huge impact right now. And I think like in terms of advertisers, you know, you have, um, of course, you have groups like ISBA, which represents the top several thousand digital advertisers in the world and they're calling for changes, et cetera. But if you look back on what happened with the YouTube brand protection last year, where advertisers found out their ads were being put on, um, you know, be put on like ISIS videos and et cetera, there was a huge outcry. YouTube took some action or, you know, Google took some action to block that. And then, you know, there were a few advertisers that sort of took their money off of YouTube for a short period of time. And then there's been some changes to the platform, but otherwise the, the spend is still there. So I also think from an advertiser standpoint, I don't, I don't really think this is going to have a big impact. I do think like one change though, that um, Rachel kind of already touched on is uh, more of a move to Instagram. And again, like, I think this is actually really great for the Facebook business in a way because it is kind of give a, a an inflection point to grow the Instagram business because the average user isn't even aware that it's the exact same uh, company it's it's the exact same ad platform it's the same kind of data policies and, and user protection um, but already we're seeing you know very like fewer millennials using or millennials is like maybe even older I would say maybe the iPhone generation is sort of not on not on Facebook as much, or if they're on it, they're, they don't, it's not really used as their primary platform. And so, you know, that's a really lucrative audience for a lot of advertisers. They're moving over to Instagram more and more. And so that opens up opportunity for growth there. Interesting. So what I'm hearing from you guys is that Facebook isn't going away anytime soon. Advertisers don't need to start, you know, pulling their money out of Facebook right now. But there is a bit of a greater public awareness of and concern of data privacy. So in this changing climate of users and how they think about technology platforms, how can we as marketers balance the responsibility of user privacy and consent while continuing to commit to client success and reach users through these technology platforms? You know, I guess like I, I, I want to have like a more solid answer. And I think that like a, the industry as a whole isn't mature enough to really have solid answers to these questions. Um, but I think the point and like part of why I am excited that we're doing this podcast is to be opening up the questions in the first place, because I think for a very long time, advertising funds the internet, it gives people all these things that they want, and um, it enables us to monetize the internet, which is really um, beneficial for everybody. Um, and so it's like, if, because there's this benefit, it, I think it has like shut down conversation and questioning and thinking on, well, maybe what if there is a way that we can help businesses to drive phenomenal return on their investment 
and to give users more visibility and control over what their data is that's being shared and how it's being used. Um, I, I feel really good that we're opening up conversations about these things. I feel nervous about um, the implications of like how it will be perceived by by clients listening, but I hope that the interpretation will be that we're really trying to fight for their interests in a way that helps to position them in favorable light to their customers. Well, I mean, we're in a unique position as the spenders of the money to be demanding some of these things, as well as making these recommendations to clients. Um, I don't think, I don't know of a single client that I work with that wants to invade anyone's privacy or wants to violate, you know, anybody's trust. So, you know, I think if we kind of lay out possibilities of how they can still um, earn money, but allow people to give them data, you know, in a consenting manner, enthusiastically consenting manner. Here's another um, analogy for you. That's a very like sex positive in the sex positive community. That's a thing where you say, I don't want you just consenting. I want you enthusiastically consenting because it's going to be better for you. You're going to get better search results. You're going to get um, better products that you're more interested. We're not going to waste your time with things that you're not interested in. Um, and so we have to convince the user that that, that is something that they want. Um, and it, it's it's on us as marketers to be doing that. So, like, I, I think one like one thing coming out of this whole thing, which I actually think is really positive for Facebook's business, is that in the long run, I think the face the CPCs for ads is going to go up because you have a few things happening. Like, you're going to have some users. I mean, not a lot, but um, there's like the hashtag delete Facebook movement, and then. Maybe you'll have, you know, people who are fed up who just use the platform a little bit less. And then you need to get rid of all these sort of fake accounts. Um, and then you have fewer users. And what that means is less inventory for ads. And if you if the demand for advertising remains relatively steady, that means the cost is going to essentially go up. So the cost per click is going to go up, um, which is good for Facebook because that's, that's their main revenue stream. Um, so I think that, um, you know, like we already have all those factors going. And then when you add in not having the fake accounts and maybe some users leaving the platform. You're, I think overall we're going to see a reduction in inventory, which is going to re- increase the costs. I don't know. I think too, like um, we are very much in, I, I've heard a few people use the word attention economy. And I think that really resonates with me that it's not as much about time, getting people's time or their eyeballs or their ears. It's about getting their attention. And so if there is fewer ad placements, the ones remaining are going to get more attention and be, and be higher value. So, I mean, I'm still reluctant to like talk about things like that on a podcast from a digital marketing company, but I still like the idea of what, like, what's wrong with asking the questions though, you know, what's wrong with imagining another world. And then whatever that paradigm is at the end of the day, it's about how do we then strategize and help our clients get to the customers that really want and need their services. And it's, it's like a scary question to pose, but um, it's, it's interesting to think about. And, you know, we, we shouldn't just assume that it's negative for brands and advertisers if that something like that were to happen. Mm. Okay. So just taking a step back to, for what we talked about over this episode, what I'm hearing is that platforms favored seamlessness in use for customers. That's what they prioritized. And now with this news, people are starting to speak up that they are concerned about transparency with data. And although this isn't, hasn't been happening before, 
we as marketers are in a unique position of leverage to push these platforms for a balance of seamlessness and transparency for customers. Yeah, I think that's uh, that that's about right. Um, I think we do have a duty to protect the privacy of users to um, to be sure that we're not taking too much. Um, but it, we are often disincentivized to be doing that. Um, it's really easy to take a step too far, so we have to keep ourselves in check. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to follow up with thoughts or questions by emailing us at podcast at apiarydigital.com. Follow and tweet us at Apiary Digital and subscribe to our show. The Hive is Alive is produced by Apiary Digital Media Collective. Editing help from Holly Hilton. Produced by Miguel Bravo, Tess Berry, and Karen Amundsen. And we will see you around the water cooler.